0: The podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me from the same city but a socially distant residence is Jed Baru, the direction of Mission USA Productions. Greeting Saithadians! Also joining us all the way from Mercurch, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Crash Community Church, Lee Younger.
1: I feel like we should have introduced Glenn anyway, even though he's not here. I'm sure I personally am very sad. Right now about Glenn not being here, and so it was hard on me that we didn't even introduce him. Hey Lee, Lee? Yes. Yeah. Who's Glenn?
0: Oh, wow. oh my! How quickly how, we forget! How, how quickly. How, yeah. Well, I, I, was I can't recover. A, we were laying kind of a a mystery show kind of clue there for the people. They had but you to know out- Glenn wants to be introduced even if he's not
1: here and first. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's true. Well, that's the
0: thing. When I introduced someone else first, I, the eagle-eared listener would have known that if Glenn was on the show, he would have immediately started screaming. <laughs> 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 but no, uh, Glenn is uh, on vacation. He is, he is uh, flown to uh, warmer and drier climates, which none of us mm. can blame him for. Smart, well, man. Not, not
2: literally flown, you know. I mean, no, like,
0: driven very, yes, in a very isolated and I'm sure Clorox white within an inch of its life vehicle. Yeah, he is driven to warmer climates. Uh, so yes, we uh, three gather in his stead. We we you know, we keep a candle burning in his memory,
1: absolutely, <laughs> except Jed who has forgotten his name. Wait, what are we talking about? Jed remembers Greg. Greg's a great guy. Do you remember what his face looked like, Jed? (laughs) I can almost hear the sound of his voice.
2: That was well done, sir. That was well done. Very,
0: very nice. Obviously, we come to you when, you know, gestures vaguely at the entire world. All that's (laughs) happening. (laughs) Um, So we definitely did want to to do an episode. We are going to talk about uh, the... The state of the world, the state of the church, the state of all the the whatnot in the wake of the protests, of the the police stuff. We are going to do a whole episode about that. We uh, really sat down and looked at it, and it felt um, a bit out of step with the moment. To just We have questions about that. We didn't want that to just be one segment amongst many of the things that are going on. Next week, uh, we'll be back to just taking questions as they come in. But this week, we really wanted to step down been a lot of stuff on social media, a lot of people asking us, uh, uh, particularly as folks who, uh, those of us in Chicago, and uh, Lee's been doing a lot with uh, folks of color there in Tennessee as well, who are kind of been a little closer to the, the criminal justice system and some of these things, and maybe other people. Uh, we've been asked for takes on this, we've been asked for thoughts on it, we really did want to get into that, but we also are going to continue to do our show, which means I must declare an emergency. Whoa. Emergency! Now, this emergency is a doozy on okay. a couple of fronts. It's, it's and an it remains emergency? remains on wow. topic. It's an emergency because uh, we were we were just, uh, before we hit record here, we were uh, noting how much it's easy to forget or miss has happened in the last uh, week, week and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was telling the fellows that there were uh, about two or three times in the last uh Two days where I literally forgot there was a global pandemic was going on <laughs> and had to be reminded. And that's that's a weird thing to jump back to. Oh, right. The plague. Of course. Right, right.
1: <laughs> I don't want to get on the cart.
0: <laughs> You're not fooling anyone. <laughs> but the thing about all that is we there's one thing that went, ha- went by that we super wanted to make sure that everyone caught sight of, particularly... Those of you who have been listening for a while and are familiar with the, let's call it the Say That lore. Mm. Because mm. Uh, one of the very heartening things that's happened over the last couple of weeks is we've had uh, you know, all manner of celebrities, be that actors, politicians, athletes, you know, whatever, really kind of vocally take a stand on the Black Lives Matter thing on, on the positive side, which is really awesome and kind of a, a new development from maybe some, some previous activism. But amongst those people who showed up at various protests and rallies and whatnot, uh, was frenemy of the show Joel Osteen attended a Black Lives Matter rally in Houston. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot going on there. Um, Yeah. Just a photo op? Maybe. But uh, if you could have seen the group text thread between us when the first one of us saw that image, we kind of lost our minds.
1: If yeah. you're going to have a photo up, you should have teeth like that for it. That's all I'm saying. No question. Had the mask on. I'm I'm
0: sure you like I'm sure if you smiled the brightness the of the teeth, teeth would onto like, the reflect onto the mask. <laughs>
2: Well, gentlemen, I think the mask was on for, for a number of reasons. Obviously, he's trying to be responsible you know, in the midst of a global health pandemic. But there's also, we're all familiar with the X-Men comic books, as we should be. Certainly. And we Correct. know the character of Scott Summers, by which I mean Cyclops. And we're aware that if he doesn't <laughs> have the filter in front of his eyes, he's blasting a laser beam out of his eyes. So he's got to have the mask, right? We, we all get this. We all know this. I don't need to explain these things to anyone.
1: That, that's, that's been a public health issue since like 1966 when Stanley wrote that. This is what I'm saying. You're saying Joel
0: Osteen has a mask made of some kind of ruby
2: quartz material. <laughs> I'm saying we're dealing with a similar situation. He takes that mask off. Those teeth are so bright. They would blind the crowd. Ah, this is what I'm talking about. Wow. It's a public. He has to keep the mask on. Otherwise, this could cause <laughs> mass calamity. This is what I'm saying. This His teeth are a non-lethal crowd control weapon. This is what I'm saying. You're saying the teeth are we, – I think we're all in search
0: currently of the straw that's going to break the camel's back. We got pandemic. We have police brutality. We have civil unrest. And you're saying Joel Osteen said, I can't risk adding
1: my teeth to this.
2: This I is love, what I'm saying.
1: I love the idea of uh, a law enforcement official screaming at Joel Osteen, put the teeth down, sir. I say, <laughs> put the teeth down.
0: <laughs> I Look, see it more as like there's an evil version of this where like the the bad guys like you know Lord of the Rings they bring out the cave troll or whatever where it's just yeah, yeah. you know somebody <laughs> leans into the radio get the teeth <laughs> <laughs>
2: Look, we all know the Joel Osteen backstory is he was bitten by a radioactive spider who had previously eaten a bunch of teeth whitening toothpaste. <laughs> we all know that. OK, that's that's where Joel came from. But the thing that Joel knows is with great teeth comes great responsibility. <laughs> all oh, It gosh. sounds like
0: this is all leading to. A phase four Marvel movie where they just slide Osteen in there like Oh yeah. If you go frame by frame through end game, like he's just in there somewhere. Look if he gets that sweet Marvel money.
2: In my head right now are Tony Stark Iron Man speeches but delivered in a Joel Osteen draw. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we may not be able to save the world, but you better believe we're gonna avenge it. <laughs> We've got a hulk.
0: <laughs> i would watch that shot for shot remake i'm not gonna yeah. lie somebody yeah. somebody get on it now now the other, I'm iron man <laughs> <laughs> the other interesting aspect of course is we continue to use the phrase he in reference to to pastor osteen because we're assuming that this was the real joel osteen
2: Ooh. now again those of you who are familiar
0: Uh-oh. with the say that lore uh, know that we believe that uh, Jellicent has an army of time traveling robot cyborgs at his. Behest. Well, we
2: we know that. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is. Yeah, it's, it's we not we have sources. This
0: stage. Uh, we have independent confirmation in that we've all four of us have said that. So right. that's four different sources.
2: <laughs> Many people are saying it.
0: I just got offered a job at the Wall Street Journal. We're talking <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. It, it's, it's strange to have a it, – and it's probably a good sign that a, a very uh, – a megachurch, a big media personality once uh, looked at the, uh, the landscape out there and said, well, clearly there's a right side of this to fall on and, and I'm going to jump to it. Right. But it's also interesting if a robot from the future
2: Whoa. picked a
0: side here in ah. 2020 –
2: Whoa! That's that's a
1: horse of a different color,
0: Matthew. And so I'm just saying these could be
2: positive situations. Wow! So who's who's John Connor in this? Who's Linda Hamilton? Like I'm <laughs> I'm ready to get excited. I just I just need to know who's doing what. Well, I guess that would that would depend on is can we see this as a
0: time traveling cyborg coming back to try to stop the uh, the pro kind of. Uh, Justice movements because they they succeed wildly and he wants to stop them? Mm. Or are we kind of looking at a post-T2, the monster sees that this system must be destroyed and turns coat?
2: Oh, whoa. Oh, man. Look, if if the ending
1: of this thing is Joel Osteen and his cyborg army are the good guys, I'm just saying I'm down.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I can live with that.
0: Yeah, that's the long play right there. And that is exactly the ending 2020 had coming.
2: <laughs> do, do I remember correctly that his big, I mean, it's not really a church, but his big whatever it is is called Lakeview. Is that right? Sounds right. It and, sounds and like, like a golf is, course. Well, it definitely does. And isn't it like a converted basketball stadium or something? Yeah, I think it's like where the Rockets right. used to play. That's right. Okay, okay. Wouldn't that be enough space to have a manufacturing capacity for killer time-traveling cyborgs. Certainly.
0: I mean, what else are you doing with the other six days of the week?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I think we're due for a say-that field trip to sneak in to Lakeview and see if we can find their fabrication facility. Uh, listen, some real citizen
1: journalism. Listen, Matt said that Glenn drove to warmer climes. Oh, my we gosh, it's Glenn's all coming from Houston. Oh, no. Is Glenn right now going down... To find out what he can, reconnaissance mission to the cyborg factory. Too many threads converging.
2: I'm nerding in overload.
0: <laughs> well, here, here's two things we know about our, our beloved co host and friend, Glenn Fitzgerald. He's a gentleman who likes to yell, and he's from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> People who Those like to yell things. and are from Texas <laughs> do have a bit of a track record with these things. I'm just saying Glenn might be red and screaming somewhere about how he knows the real truth.
2: Yeah. And then he's going
0: to try to sell all brain pills. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in his case, that would be fish oil.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, he did try to push the fish oil pills for a while on this show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot.
1: Yeah. We, is, we, is, is it possible that Glenn is trying to get into the ground floor of like a cyborg pyramid scheme? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, like he knows the cyborgs are coming because Joel showed up at the, at, you know, Joel, in air quotes, sure. showed up at the protest. Osteen bot. With the mask on. Maybe it had a mask on because you can't, uh, you can't replicate the real Joel teeth. Whoa. And so this oh. was the best place for the cyborg to come back to. And so Glenn wants to go get in on the ground floor at the manufacturing plant so that then he can start his, uh, the, you know, pyramid scheming.
2: Oh, I like yeah. the idea
0: of a cyborg pyramid scheme. Essential robot oils. <laughs> <laughs> you put them in the diffuser, and they keep your killer cyborg spring fresh all year long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to admit, when we, uh, when we, but right before he recorded, when I said, "Oh, we should do a killer ocean uh, woke cyborgs from the future <laughs> emergency." <laughs> Um, this was even crazier than I anticipated. <laughs> I think we did very well. A true hallmark that we're off to a roaring start. And on that, I am going to declare emergency off or more likely emergency paused until Glenn gets back and we know exactly where he's been. Mm. Either way, it's time to move on to to other things. Other things being uh, our Bridge Live broadcast continuing to happen every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time over at facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. We're continuing to having a lot of fun bringing our Bridge service to you folks online and we certainly hope you can join us and if you can't join us live you can always find the video archived over at facebook.com slash the bridge chicago you can also always find links to the newest edition of bridge box comes out the first of every month nice. mission slash bridge box only eight dollars a month if you want to sign up and get some great stuff in your inbox every single month all right we're going to transition into our Questions here again. We do want to mention that we're going to do all of our kind of question time here on the uh, looking at the different angles and the nuances of uh, the current situation going on. Maybe how people fit into that, how Christians, how Christian Christians, Christianity fits into that. Um, and then we will be uh, kind of transitioning to our normal question format next week. But obviously, if you have follow up questions, hit us up. We're happy to do more on the show. We're happy to talk offline. And we do want to acknowledge, before uh, we start off, that uh, we are all white gentlemen. Um, yeah. uh, I, uh, it was re- I was reading something this week that reminded me, my ancestors were so white that the English made fun of them for having bland food. <laughs> and you don't get much whiter <laughs> than that. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of talk, and we totally agree with it, a lot of uh, great stuff about elevating voices of color, centering uh, voices of people who are... Uh, people of color in this discussion, which is certainly a great thing. Um, we put this show out every week. Um, I've got some, some messages out to maybe uh, interview to talk to some folks, but as you can imagine, people whose job is talking about racial issues in a Christian context are pretty busy at the moment. And also, uh, another reason that I really wanted to do this show kind of with our normal crew, at least as we start out, is um, a lot of what we're looking at here is a white people problem. Yeah. And not in the sense of like, you know, when your white clog gets warm is a white people problem. Not in that way, but like <laughs> um, as I wrote in kind of a blog post when someone asked uh, the question we we're looking at first, uh, a lot of the institutional stuff that's going on on a political level even on a social level is skating by on the assumption that the average kind of middle class, uh, middle aged, middle income white person will be more scared of Uh, minorities going unchecked than they are of massive police overreach. And it's been uh, horrifyingly true for a long time. And that's something that's certainly changing. But a a big way we want to focus on this is as that kind of white person who's kind of coming into this, some ways we can think about how all this fits in, some ways we can think about this. And obviously, we we treasure and hope that our listeners of color get something out of this. But I think I can safely speak for Jen Lee when I say uh, none of us have any interest in telling people of color how they should think or feel about this. Yep. Right. Uh, we don't listen to this, but we know we have uh, – you know, the majority of our listenership probably is white people in the United States, and we do want to uh, have some important discussions amongst uh, that audience for this. So with all of that out of the way, we'll jump to the first question, which came into our Tumblr inbox and says – How do I cope with all the anger that's building up inside of me from watching all these things happening to black people? So great question. It did come in before the the demonstrations and the protests started. So obviously that's that's one answer. But there is still a lot of anger floating around. And anger is a big aspect of kind of what's going on in the world right now. And one that I think is a little... Uh, A lot of Christian culture and Christian stuff is super uncomfortable with anger. A lot of uh, American culture is super uncomfortable, particularly the anger of people of color. So uh, both in the world and in our own selves, uh, we need to know how to process that, how to turn it into something, how to let it go somewhere. So I love the idea of how do I cope with that and then as it Hmm. builds up. And Lee, where do we start off with looking at how to get somewhere positive with this?
1: Yeah, it's a... It is a really, really cool question, and I, I love the way that Matt set all this up and, and framed everything. And and I, I you know, I, I also want to just kind of reiterate some of those things, just because uh, Matt set us up really well. But again, we, none of us, want to be in the position to tell anybody of color how to feel about this. I, um, w- if you have ten conversations with ten different people, they may feel ten different ways. And that is all great. It's all, that's all good. That's all wonderful. There's not a a particular way that anybody has to, you know, feel about this or, or whatever. Not, none of that stuff is out of bounds. I think when we look at anger, um, not only does a ton of that make sense, but um, for, for white people especially, um, one of the things is it's about time that we have some, that we're actually kind of feeling some anger and solidarity in listening to um, voices of different you know, um, African American, uh, you know, outspoken folks, people who are um, authors or people who are, um, you know, uh, politicians and people in my own community. Um, one of the things that, that I've heard a whole lot of is, hey, welcome to the party, guys. I, I'm, we're glad you're angry about it. We've been angry for a long time. And, and another word that I've heard a lot is exhausted. We've been exhausted for a long time, and all of these things make sense. And one of the things that, that can be a problem with anger is, um, is that it can burn off quickly, and then you can get into a – you can have kind of a uh, – uh, you may have heard this term before, like an outrage fatigue Um, Jed and Matt and I were actually talking about this before the podcast. There's so many things to be outraged about right now that it's almost like you need a list of them, like a grocery list to remind (laughs) yourself like, oh yeah, it's been 30 minutes since I've been outraged about this thing, you know, and then, you know, go off on that too. And, but your, your physical self cannot keep anger and outrage going long enough for that to be the thing, um, for that to be your response. What I mean by that is we need to use the energy that comes with anger to fuel something that's going to bring some lasting impact. Uh, For a lot of white people right now, the big question is, what am I supposed to do? Um, And from a lot of the, the things that I'm reading or listening to and the conversations that I'm engaging in with people of color, the thing I'm hearing is we would like you to acknowledge what's going on, acknowledge that we have deep systemic problems that have been the, for the last 400 years, and we are not past any of it yet, and we have been in pain for a long, long time. We would like some acknowledgement and awareness, and then we would like you to humbly learn what to do next. We would like you to learn about what the problems are in the, in the society. Learn about the criminal justice system. Learn about wage inequality. Learn about uh, what's wrong in policing. Learn about uh, our communities and all, all, all different kinds of things. We would like you to take this time to learn. Take this, take this emotion and point the energy in this emotion towards something that's going to change the way that you think in a permanent way, to engage conversations, but to learn, um, to do some homework. You know, I, it's so interesting watching. I, I, have, people that listen to the podcast probably know. I have, I have three kids, two in high school, one in middle school, and if they don't, if they aren't interested in a subject, there is nothing more boring on the planet Earth than homework they would rather do anything anything they'd rather do chores than homework but there's an amazing thing that happens when they have an energy and an interest in a subject man these kids will dive head first they will they will create projects they will work with friends they will they they will create spontaneous art like when they are interested in a subject what you have right now in the anger and confusion of this sense of violated justice that you're feeling on behalf of other people, which is all a really, really good thing is you have a precious thing, which is you have interest and energy. I think it's a really good time to take advantage of the energy in the anger that you're feeling and point, point it into learning. Find out in conversations in articles, in podcasts, in books, find out what needs to change. <clears throat> in a, let me get real specific for a second. Find out, um, we are right now 149 days away from the election in this country, uh, away, away from national elections. 149 days. In 149 days, what can you find out about the races that are being run that you can vote in? Where your vote would be would have the most impact on these issues that are that are, are such a big deal right now. Um, just a, a quick clue um, based on some stuff that I've been reading your district attorney race. Find out everything you can about it. Learn as much as you can about it. Learn as much as you can about candidates and and get yourself ready to know what to do about the DA race in your local elections. You got 149 days. Let's take the energy that we have from anger and confusion and this sense of injustice, the actual injustice, but the sense that you have about it right now and the neighborly feeling you have toward those who have been mistreated, which is beautiful and a biblical thing, and point that into learning so that when the fuel and the fire of anger burns off, which it will, you'll have fatigue of outrage and all that kind of stuff, you're going to get tired, that you, you are pointed towards something and you know what to do about it.
0: That's all really great stuff, and I especially love that idea of thinking of anger as an energy, of something that has to be, has to be corralled, has to be pointed somewhere, has to be done something with. And Jed, as, as we kind of build on that idea, How do we deal with making sure we're pointing that anger somewhere as opposed to kind of letting it lead us around by the nose?
2: Man, that's a great question, and I definitely agree with everything that Lee just said. This is a little bit of a a hackneyed metaphor, but it's, it's useful for our discussion here today. Anger is a lot like fire. So fire is a super useful thing. You can use it to, to cook food. You can use it to keep warm. Uh, you can also use it to uh, do a lot of destruction. So it, it really boils down to what you do with it. I mean, a campfire is super fun, and we're sitting around, and we're having s'mores. But if we're not careful, somebody's clothes catch on fire, and now the good evening has been ruined. So we want to recognize that, in a sense, anger is a tool, and most tools can be used for good or evil. But... The, the more powerful, the more potent the tool, the more careful we need to be with it. Um, and one of the things about anger is um, anger can provide a powerful sense of motivation, which is a really cool thing. Anger provides on its own almost no insight of any kind. And that yep. we really need to meditate on. Anger does not provide insight. It may provide motivation, which can be very good and very useful, but it does not provide insight. And so there's a few things that that come off of that. The first is you need to be really vigilant about making sure that you know what the right objects of your anger are. Because just like a fire, it's going to try and grow. It's going to try and expand out. So Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Being angry about police misconduct, police brutality, um, abuses of power by law enforcement, that's a good thing to be angry about. That's a, a wrong thing and an evil thing. Full stop, the end. Yep. It would be possible to grow to say, I reject any form of authority of any kind in any arena of my life. Well, now that's – we can't really live that way. That's you – know, I mean unless you're you know, going to go into the wilderness and be by yourself. I mean, Yeah, you've got to you know, pay rent. Exactly right. you got to pay rent. Your, your landlord does have some authority there. so they,
1: they don't want you to walk out of that store with those
2: groceries, Jed. They, they don't. They, they fully expect to be compensated for said groceries. So we can have anger that starts in one place that is fully legit and fully warranted and 100% righteous, and that anger can try and spiral into things that aren't really related. Um, I, I think we've all, if you want a microcosm of it, we've all had... A day where we didn't sleep very well, and we wake up kind of cranky and kind of grouchy, and we end up being really angry about things that don't really have anything to do with anything, but just anger has a way of growing and has a way of of, of flowing. So we want to make sure that we are vigilant that, that on where we are pointing our anger. That's, that's thing one. Thing two is we want to recognize, again, that it gives us no insight. Um, wisdom is a separate thing. Anger's great for motivation, but really the end of motivation, if you can dig it, is to make a decision. It may be a decision to get involved. It may be a decision to learn, like Lee was describing. It may be a decision to uh, say, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to work towards the following goal. That's all super good stuff. But at that point, the moment we've made a decision, now we need wisdom. Now we need insight. Now we need knowledge. Those are separate things from anger. Then the last piece of it is – and again, this goes back to something Lee was saying. Because anger is essentially a, a heightened emotional state, it is exhausting you whether you think it is or not. Uh, it, it is draining you. It is wearing you out whether you think it is or not. And critically, you can't sustain it no one can just sustain any emotion 24 hours a day, but you definitely can't sustain anger 24 hours a day. And this is why it's important that we use it as a tool to make a decision, because once we've made a decision, we can continue to follow the path of that decision, whether we still feel anger in a given moment or not. We can decide I'm going to get involved in working for a more just world in the following ways and then doing that. But if we're relying, if we if we say, if tomorrow I wake up and I still feel angry, then I guess I'll work towards a more just world. That's actually not a good idea because nobody can stay fully angry forever.
0: I think that's a really really important point as we look at what to do with this. Uh, a verse you may uh, hear kind of get thrown around when it comes to anger is, is uh, James 1.20 of human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Um, that is not saying don't be angry. Yep. Uh, that's in the context of James one, where he's making a lot of points about uh, the way self righteous people deal with each other and deal with the law. It also, if you look at the Greek, which I'm by no means a Greek scholar, but if you go to Bible Hub, uh, the liter- kind of literally what's going on there is that it says that the human anger does, is not worked out in the righteousness of God. Like, in the other words, it doesn't just make it happen. Which I think is actually a very useful uh, thing here. There's certainly. We know that you can, you know, the the verse about in your anger, do not sin. So we know it's possible to be angry and not sin. We know, you know, Jesus chases the money changers out of the temple. But anger in and of itself isn't going to get anything done. Uh, To the fire analogy, uh, fire is very useful in cooking something. But you can't just throw eggs, wheat, and sugar in a fire and have a, <laughs> a cake pop out of it.
1: You <laughs> like, speak for yourself, Matt.
0: <laughs> I mean, we don't know until we try. I was, I was about to say, you can try. No one can keep me from that. But, you know, and if that didn't work, a uh, hotter fire may not be the answer to that. So I think that there's a dual thing here, and we want to be uh, sure. And surely, I think these guys did a great job with it. We're not telling you don't be angry. Nope. Right. If you see what we've all seen um, in the last, how, whenever you came to it. It would be, it would be it,
1: weird if you weren't angry.
0: It would, it would be, in a literal sense, sociopathic. You would lack human empathy to not be angry about um, the things we've all seen in the last, how, whenever you came to it. Maybe that's this week. Maybe you've been dealing with this for years. It would, um, I, I would question the, the humanity and much less the indwelling of a Holy Spirit of someone who saw that and thought, No, yeah, that seems about right. I mean, that's, it's <laughs> horrific stuff. And maybe your anger is what brings you to something. Maybe you were angry and that's why you, you looked something up or you went to a protest or whatever. I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. But as exactly as these guys are saying, anger is not going to sustain something long enough to get anything done, particularly yep. in this arena. Yep. And the people, again, and we're, I'm going to come back to this several, several times because this is not just a, a, a natural phenomenon. That's happening, bad. This is people making decisions. People are right. in power, doing things, and a lot of the way they handle that is based on the idea that exactly as Lee starts off, that anger will burn off eventually. That's why uh, a a police officer who's videoed in one of these high profile things, um, one of the first things they do is launch an investigation and put him on a desk job.
2: Yep, we're
0: we're looking into it. Yep, exactly. The, the hope being that six months later, everybody's either angry about something else or too tired to be angry, and they can quietly put that person back on the job with their full pension. Um, it's not happening this time so far, which is a very positive and interesting development. But,
1: but it is happening with Brianna Taylor's killers. Yes. And so all, it is happening in other issues. Yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. As of recording, all three of uh, the people who killed Brianna Taylor are currently uh, still employed and actively employed right. by uh, the Louisville PD. Because that is, that is the standard playbook. But the other thing about that is another verse um, you may hear used in all this, which is true, but I, I think in this case um, has it, maybe a different meaning than people might try to bludgeon you with, is uh, Romans 12, 21 of do, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't think that means you have to bake cookies for police officers who extrajudicially murder people. I don't actually think that's what that uh, verse means ever, and particularly in this case. But the idea of do not, be, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with doing good, uh, you're going to have to sprinkle something else in with the anger. Yeah. Um, mm. Hopefully, that's going to be uh, hope as we see some, some things happen. You know, uh, As we record today, uh, we'll see what comes of it. The Minneapolis uh, City Council announced they're going to look into fully uh, defunding uh, the Minneapolis Police Department and totally rethinking public safety in right. a major American city. That's, that's huge. Um, yep. that's, that's a, there's some hope with your anger. Uh, hopefully, one thing that as you have these conversations, as Lee was talking about with, uh, with people of color, as you read, as you learn, uh, we want to mix in uh, love for our brothers and sisters of color. We want, I don't right. want us to be angry about bad things that happen to them. I want to want good things for them. I want yep. to have love yeah. for them and hope for them and, and things that I want them to be safe and be happy. And anger is not going not gonna to do that. The other thing about anger, and it goes back to the the voting thing, Lisa, and I'm going to tread carefully here, Um, but the other thing about anger burns off quickly, and it wants to burn off. That is the natural state. When you're just super angry, another thing that can happen is, especially with uh, kind of longer-term movements and social justice things, is you can take the first positive thing as a desire to yell, well, we solved it. Yep. You know, we we elected a Democrat president. Racism? Take that. When, you know— (laughs) uh massive police over policing of uh neighborhood poor neighborhoods neighbors of color is kind of one of the few totally bipartisan things in american politics in the last 40 years so i mean that maybe that would be good maybe your preferred candidate gets voted for maybe there's a move but if you're just going on pure rage there's a desire to say aha i don't want to be angry anymore so we did it as opposed to saying okay that's great. I'm not done to be angry about that anymore. I want better and I want more. And we want to keep the pressure on and we want to make sure that these people live up to their promises and all that is great. And anger has a role in that anger is a human emotion has a role in things, but you can't get anywhere on just anger. Mm. These guys gave you a lot of great stuff about, about corralling it, about using it, about letting it be a part of something positive. And with that said, we're going to move on to, to some other aspects of this and, uh, hopefully, uh, questions folks have had and ways we want to look at this. And then the next one is, what is my personal role in addressing injustice? I know God wants me to do justly, but what does that mean in my daily life? And Jed, let me just start us off here because I think this is one of those things where we often talk on the show about um, people wanting to jump to extremes. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I'm not, you know, uh, physically uh, confronting a, an NYPD, you know, riot cop, am I doing enough? What does it mean to to hate injustice and love justice? If you're just a person who maybe lives in a town that doesn't have a major uh, thing going on, who just wants to go from zero to doing something, where do we start with that?
2: It's a great question. I think the thing that we want to start with is by saying we salute your heart, man. Yeah. Um, if you want to do something for justice, that is awesome. We respect that. God respects that. Um, and we're already off to the races just by having the desire and asking the question. That's actually really good. We don't want to stop there, but we, we do want to be clear. That's awesome just from the get-go. With that said, the next thing that we want to add in is it, what you do is going to probably look a little bit different from what other people do, and that's okay. You, you will, in a sense, have to roll your own a bit on this. That's cool. That's normal. Nothing wrong with it. The next thing that we can say is that what you do needs to be sustainable. Because mm. yeah. working for justice is something that, God willing, you will be involved with for the rest of your life. And we Say all that, hope, dude. Hey, man, we all hope that you have a very, very long life ahead of you. We, we hope that you're going to be working for justice for the next 50, 60 years, man. Uh, the only way to be able to do that is to do that in a sustainable way. Um, I'll, I'll give you a silly example. You know, One of the things that you should use towards justice is uh, your money. If you take every dime out of your savings right now and just cut a check to the NAACP, it's super cool, super generous, super amazing. It's also not sustainable because <laughs> you know that, that was a one-time thing. So we, we do want to use our money to fight for justice, but we need to do that in a sustainable way, the same way that we use all of our resources because we want to still be doing this 50 years from now. So with all that said… There are a few categories that you can look at. And again, we want to grow in all of these. We're not trying to jump into the deep end of the pool and do uh, everything to the extreme. We want to grow in them. So loosely, I would say the things that you have before you are how you use your endorsement, how you use your time how you use your money, and then we can look at kind of little incremental changes in your daily life. So your money is actually maybe an easy one to start with, which is there's all kinds of really amazing causes, uh, amazing organizations that do amazing work that help to address um, uh, all kinds of injustice, and especially racial injustice. Um, We'd be happy to recommend some to you. Um, you can probably do a bit of Google searching and, and find. And one of the things that's important for you to know is that literally any amount helps. I think it's really easy to feel like, look, I am broke. I have no money. I, I could give like $5, uh, but I can't imagine that would do any good. Man, $5 makes a huge difference. Yeah, um, It makes a huge, huge difference. And it gets you in the motion of using your material resources to fight for justice, which is a really cool thing. Um, It's a lot easier to keep doing that uh, than to wait till you have more money and then start. It, It actually is easier to be in that motion and keep doing it. The other thing about that, you hear us talk about this regularly on this show, but find things that are exciting to you. Um, in the midst of, of all this stuff that is that is so rough and so difficult, find people that are doing work that addresses injustice but that, that you just love That's just a joy for you get to get to support Do that the same thing with your time that that can be organizing that can be volunteering that can be helping an organization with a phone blitz but you know give of your time uh, that also includes uh, give of your talents i mean you know if you have an ability to, to paint signs well help help with painting signs that's that 's good stuff. One of the things I think is worth looking at, then, is your endorsement. And this is something where you're really going to need to to pray it through and think it through and decide what that means in, in your own life. One form of endorsement that you give, of course, is who you vote for. And we want to encourage you to vote. We want to encourage you to vote in an informed way. We definitely, for sure, want to encourage you to be aware of the district attorney or state's attorney's races in your state and in your area. They are super important. Um, but your endorsement also involves... How you talk to other people, both um, in real life and on social media, um, and and what you say and, and where you draw a line on things. Um, there, I wish there were clear guidelines that I could give you to know what to say when. Um, I think it's something that you need to pray through and, and kind of figure out in your own situation. But what I will say is that if you enjoy any form of privilege in your life, um, then. You actually have an ability to make a difference by in key moments, saying to people dude i 'm not down with that uh this this thing i 'm not about that um, that's that's a hard thing to do, man, uh, because sometimes that that is gonna um cost you social connections but there are times where it is absolutely the right thing to do um it matters it makes a big difference i think it makes a much bigger difference than you would suspect and so i think it's something to be prayerful about of when are there moments where i need to use my endorsement and make it clear what i will and won't be a part of what i will and won't um support last thing is incremental changes in your daily life Um, it turns out uh, uh, there's a, a, a correct way to express this that Matt knows that I don't. So um, my layperson's thing is it's something like there's no way to be involved in capitalism in an ethical way. Do I have that something right?
0: Yeah, I believe the actual phrase no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism.
2: There it is, okay. um, which is true. I mean there's, there's no getting around that.
0: The idea be behind that being um, so even the most organic, fair trade, whatever thing you bought – the company that makes it
2: still trying to pay their workers as little as possible to increase their profit margin. Exactly right. So you're living in, in the life that you live. You're never going to have a life that is completely free in all ways of you supporting things that are unjust, that that's probably not going to happen, but you can little bit by little bit, you can reduce that. There was a big stink in the music world this last week. There's a common music store. A lot of people shop at I've shopped at that. It turns out the people who run it are super racist. Um, I can shop at a different music store. Um, it's it's a small thing. It makes a difference. It matters, and that's it's incremental change towards a more just and more kind world.
0: Uh, so, all all fantastic stuff uh, from Jed there. I think there's a perfect place to start off. And Leah, I'd love get you to, to look at that last one he's giving us in the idea of taking this into my daily life, my personal relationships, how I how I talk yeah. to people, how I interact with people. Other than just um, yelling about this in every conversation I have, which it would be hard to blame someone who wants to do that if they're uh, kind of coming to this now. What can we do to uh, take a step forward in the way we have our one-on-one interactions?
1: Yeah, this is such, which, first of all, I, I absolutely loved uh, stem to stern uh, Jed's points there. And and what I want to do is zoom in on uh, exactly as you're saying, zoom in on that last piece and think about relationships, um, I think one of the most critical things that we can do right now, especially if if I use the term we' to refer to as you said, Matt, probably the majority of this audience and even us as hosts, um, just kind of white people who are looking at this situation frustrated, and how do we how do we do this well i 'm um, upset i 'm angered i 'm feeling some solidarity with people who are being mistreated, which is a very biblical and very good thing. Um, what do we do now? And um, what I would say is a great place to start when when Jed's talking about making incremental changes in your daily life, what we want to do is we want to be in conversation with marginalized people in our lives. We want to um, engage people who are marginalized in your life that you know or have a relationship with or pursue relationships with people you know in your community who are on the margins people who are mistreated people who are <clears throat> who are unknown or unseen or underappreciated or pushed cast to the side first of all just as as a believing christian this is exactly the way that jesus acted this is exactly what jesus did when we look at how what is the Christian response in this kind of a situation? It is regardless of what anyone would say about me, regardless of, and by the way, regardless of how church folk or religious folk feel about it, to seek out marginalized people and love them like crazy, to engage them, to become their friends, to listen to them, to meet them where they are. Um, I was having a conversation with a a friend of mine from high school and, um, and I was just—I was asking him about exactly one of Jed's points, which was the social media endorsement. And I was like, "Look, man, as as an African American dude, how does it feel to you when you see all the, you know, the white people, uh, uh, you know, putting up different kind of uh, fad social media posts and stuff like that? You know, is that a, is that an eye rolly thing for you, or is that a frustrating thing for you, or do you like it? What, what's your deal?" And he said, "I can't speak for everybody that's black." He said, but I can tell you this, Um, you know, he was talking to me, he said, you're a, he said, you know, you're a pastor in the South and we haven't hung out since high school. He lives in a different city. And he said, so like, I mean, I don't know what, where you are, but if you signal on the place where I do engage with you on social media, that you're with me, he said, I realize I have an ally. Um, And it's one of these things of exactly as Jed's saying is there are moments where like what people want are they want somebody to seek to understand. They want someone to be an ally with them. And what we want to do in our daily life is find people who are marginalized or mistreated and engage in conversation and serve them find people who are poor and feed them these are these are incremental changes that are sustainable things um that I want to get more relationships I want to exactly as Jed's saying I want to shop at different businesses I want to have friends in the gay community or i want to have friends in the african-american community i want to have friends in the latino community not token friendship we're talking actual friendships where i'm listening and learning and becoming part of a broader community um i i want to learn perspectives that i can't understand on my own i want to ask questions i want to shut up long enough to be taught i want to engage those relationships with a lot of humility and here 's the thing is when you look at scripture um, not only not only did Jesus pursue uh those who were mistreated and outcasts, but he had love for people who were he, people who were outside of their uh, outside of their religion outside of their nationality um, the old testament the the second most frequent command in the Old Testament is to love the alien and the foreigner outside of love the Lord your God, these are the things that if Christians can't be behind these things, they can't be behind that book that they say that they love so much, because it's riddled with those things. And these are the kinds of things that we want to start doing in our daily life. I want to listen to marginalized people. I want to pursue relationships. I want to love and meet physical needs of people who are being mistreated, people who are being pushed to the outside. Obviously, like, I love the way Jed said it, as far as, I don't want to go so far over, you know, so far into the extreme that it's something that I can't sustain. What I want is actual relationships. I can sustain relationships and friendships. I can engage and listen and become friends with people and change my perspective. Those are the kinds of things that we can actually do right now. Amen. Those are all excellent
0: points and really does uh, speak to the idea of what we're, what we're hopefully all trying to do is build a life that has these things more centered in it. And I will, I will pick up on the voting point real quick. I think it's a great one. I totally echo what these guys said on it. And one of the things I'm learning, uh, particularly in Chicago, but I think it's true in most cities of about any size at this point is, uh, the police budget kind of gets a cut of everything. Yeah. So, um, you don't just, uh, interrogate what your, uh, district attorney wants to do. Um, it's worth asking what your school board representatives think about over policing. And if they, cause, uh, there's going on a lot of major cities right now. Uh, some police departments get a lot of money from, uh, school boards. They get a lot of money from a parks department, from, uh, uh, events, you know, to do uh, security. A big thing is that the university of Minnesota, um, terminated all its contracts with Minneapolis PD to do security at like Minnesota football games and stuff. So, we want to center this thing in a way that is sustainable. And when it comes up, we can keep a lookout on it. And that's, that's an important thing. And it is uh, a changing of maybe the way we, some of us think about the world. Maybe we were raised with the idea of, you know, what, how the world worked with, with race and with policing and all that stuff. And we're in a constant state of rethinking that, and it's a moving target, you know, Uh, policing in America looks a lot different than it did 20 years ago. Maybe when the people Doing this podcast for young and, and thinking about stuff. So uh it's good to and a way we do that, as Lee's pointing out, is both in our real life relationships and our online stuff, what we consume, what we think about. We you know we're trying to keep up with that. We're trying to keep these ideas centered. It's a very, very good thing. And now let, let's move to the to the realm of uh faith and and church specifically. Uh, someone writes in and says, What is a reasonable expectation for my church for how my church leadership addresses? What's going on, and what should I do if they are missing the mark? On a great question, and Lee, where would you kick us off on this?
1: Uh, if we're not allowed to scream and rant and burn the podcast down, then then I guess I'll just try to keep this civil. I mean, you know, <laughs> wherever the Lord leads. I, I think first of all, you should expect that that um, that your your church is not just now getting woke. Uh, that that you You shouldn't be just now finding out that your pastor loves everybody um, that <laughs> i I hope that's not the deal. I hope the deal is that this is not you know this is not the moment where you find out who your church leadership is and who they care about and and what um and their heart for people who are different um, now if people realize that they've been wrong and they need to admit and ask forgiveness, we can all have grace for that kind of a that kind of humility and that kind of compassion and stuff like that. But you should expect that your church leadership to speak, act, and love like Jesus did. They should speak the way the scriptures speak. They should love everybody. They should have a compassion and a heart for everybody. They should be involved in outreach. Your your pastors should be, should be bold while being pastoral, that they are... Um, uh, compassionate and kind and all of that stuff. But you should see your pastors right now, if you, if you go to a white church, you should see your pastors modeling the kind of humility and life of service and relationships with marginalized people like we were just talking about. That should be a thing where uh, folks who want that kind of a life in their church should be able to go to their pastors and say, how did you do that? Uh, how, did, how did you get to this kind of a situation? or these kinds of friends, or whatever. Um, also, uh, to go back to one of the things that Jeb was talking about, your church should give money to organizations that feed and care for poor people and oppressed people. And that should be an easy conversation to figure, figure out, and you should feel free to to be and in, in completely invited to have conversations with the leadership on any of those points. Um, my, the thing that you should expect from your church is that they— um, that your church leadership looks like the heart of Jesus. Um, Humble, bold, full of love, full of action, pursuing the oppressed, freeing the poor, caring for the poor, caring for the needy, caring for those who are marginalized and mistreated. And um, we hope that they are not just now getting woke about that. If they are and they're being super contrite about it, well, that's good. But, um, But those are some of the things that you should definitely be looking for and hoping for.
0: That's a great, great place to start that off. And Jed, where do we look at that second half of things of if we see something that we don't like, something that seems off the mark, uh, what is an individual church member's role and what might they do?
2: That's a great question. So I, I think we want to be clear, and I absolutely agree with everything Lee said, we want to be clear, if there's a breakdown, where is the breakdown landing? Uh, what's kind of, where's this breakdown coming from? So it could be that, there is a lack of moral grounding, right? Um, we need to know what call to make, for example, police brutality happens. maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. I don't know. probably both sides have an opinion well that that would be for sure a deal breaker because there is not a level of moral grounding that in any way qualifies this person for spiritual leadership. But on the other hand, if we say, no, I am clear that this is bad, I'm clear this is wrong i don 't have any idea what you do to fix it i don 't have any idea what to do about it well that 's something that we can work with um, ideally yes uh, the, the people at our church would have been involved in um, uh, justice work before now, but uh, you know what we we all start when we start so if they're if they 're new to it it 's okay to be to a point anyway, patient about that process, provided, again, that we're clear on the moral element, we're, we're clear that this is all the way bad and all the way unacceptable, and that we are committed, just like Lee has been talking about, to learning, to finding people who know the things we don't know, and getting the information and the leading and the guidance and the wisdom from them, and then putting those things in motion. Uh, if, if we've got that, then I think that we've... Um, uh, really got something that we can work with and something that we can feel good about but the the thing the, the two things that definitely are stuff where we we want to be very careful and it may be time to walk away the first is if there's hemming and hauling over the moral element uh maybe racism is bad maybe it's not i don't know who's to say maybe extrajudicial murder is a land of contrasts <laughs> exactly right and and and
1: and jed i hate to to interrupt you right here but i i, I think it's it's very you know what you said is exactly right it's very rarely that clear like an example a local example for us is that a group of teenagers attempted last week to organize a peaceful protest in in a home in a in a town that's kind of on the border of the town where uh, where i live and basically you know y- what you want to do is you want to talk to city government and law enforcement to okay that and get a roadblock and all that kind of business. And basically, the city government said, We are shutting this down because we do not have a race problem. Hmm. Um, and which was a total fabrication. Sure. The, everybody has a race problem. Um, all these towns have some racism in them, and they were shutting it down because they didn't want to do it. Yeah. And um, they were against it. But it wasn't a thing where somebody's saying out loud the sentence, you know, maybe racism is bad or something. But what they were saying and kind of the catch-all, like the or the, kind of the red herring there is we don't have a race problem. We're not yeah. racist. But sure. we are not going to allow you to do this peaceful demonstration because we don't need to. Sure. Because we here
2: in the South, in 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 these hills, we don't have a problem with that. Oh, wow, that must be nice. Okay, that's actually, it's a great example. So let's let's look at that for a second. What do you do when you have people that say, oh, I mean, sure, in theory, racism is bad if it existed, which it doesn't here, so no problem. Okay, so this requires us to have the fine art of discerning a Christian no. One of the things that's important to know about Christians and church people is they're almost never going to tell you no. Like if you say, I think our church should do more for social justice— Unless you're going to a church that's really messed up and really evil, they're not just going to say, oh, no, we shouldn't do that. Uh, we'll, we'll never, ever do that. We, we love social injustice. It's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what they are much more likely to do if they're on some hinky stuff is to give a series of excuses of why it isn't necessary or why it isn't the right focus or why it isn't important or why, sure, after the, the third quadrilateral meeting of the elder board at the retreat, we will take a look and examine and perhaps issue a statement. These these are all versions of a Christian no. And so that's why being patient is good, but only to a point. If you feel like you're at a church that may be new to some of these ideas and they are legitimately trying to get pointed in the right direction and it may be taking them a little bit of time to find their footing, that's one thing. If they're just giving you the Christian no... And they're making it clear, yeah, we're not going to do anything with this. Well, that would definitely be a deal breaker for sure. So – to recap, like Lee is saying, ideally, you want to be at a church that has a history of dealing with injustice, that has a history of uh, fighting for the marginalized and the oppressed, um, that, that puts that in action, and that ideally has ways for you to plug in and for you to be a part of that in in your life. That's the ideal. That's what we want. And we'd encourage you to find a church like that. that that's the good stuff. If that's not true of your church, um, then there's kind of a checklist of, first, are they willing to— Publicly disavow things that are evil. If we're not willing to do that, that's a definite for sure deal breaker. Um, Are they willing to entertain the idea of actually doing something about it? Um, Or are they just going to give the Christian no? And then, once you've given them sufficient time, are they actually going to get in motion and actually do anything? That's the checklist that I think we would all encourage you to look at.
0: Uh, That's all great stuff, and I I want to put a line under where Jed started us there with the idea of... Um the both sidesing of things yeah. um both as a thing that drives me totally crazy, and I would start screaming, but it's also a thing we we can have grace for for a certain extent. here's what I'm gonna say on this there are people of a a pastors particularly of a certain age of of a certain whiteness where there's some people to whom for whom the idea of politics and the idea of kind of working things out is Always two guys in suits are going to go into a room and one of them is going to say a number and the other one's going to say another number and they're going to settle somewhere in the middle. So that's a very popular kind of uh, neoliberal kind of uh, 90s uh, West Wing conception of the way the world works. Um, so there's a lot of people who start from the idea that everything uh, is the middle. That's what we want to do. We want to get to the middle. So I have person A is going to be angry about me being too mean to cops, and person B is going to be angry about me uh, not being angry enough on the the behalf of people of color. So I need to find a, a middle path that will please all people. Um, that's not going to fly on this. Yep. Again, we have a kind of state-sanctioned extrajudicial murder. There's, we're not going to find a middle ground on that. There's not, nobody's going to agree of like maybe three a year and then we're all cool. <laughs> wow. like, that's not going to happen. But again, that is a fundamental worldview that uh, moderation centrism is the best thing you can do that. Some people are, well, good thing that's happening now is a lot of people and a lot of people have public platforms are questioning that for the first time in their life. The idea that, no, this is just like, you have to take a stand on a side of this thing. And that's how it is. So as exactly as Jed's saying, if you have a a pastor, a leader somewhere in your life who is clearly uncomfortable with the fact that they have to take a stand that we can, we can dig with that for a little while. If they're letting that push you unwilling to do it and then doing a thing, we, we at the bridge like to call a little bit of, well, maybe everybody's a little wrong. Hmm. That's, not how it goes. And to be clear, we at the Bridge have seen that used as in like, well, at this church sister so-and-so said a racist thing to this young black guy but he was probably also a little wrong in a way I can't identify right now, but I'll think of something real hard. <laughs> and don't we just want want peace? And if you're in a place that's uh, you know, I, I, I think I shared on Facebook we've all been meditating on the the Martin Luther King quote of the the person who wants, uh, who uh, values order over justice. This is a good time to be looking at that dichotomy of if somebody wants clearly wants justice and is working on a way to get there, that's cool. But if the, the vibe you're getting is we want normalcy and order and whatever gets us there is what we're going to do, then it's probably time to look for another solution. And uh, let's piggyback up. that in our last question today, which is, Can I say something to the other white Christians in my life who don't seem to get it yet to help them along? So we're taking this out of of a, uh, you know, institutional. This is not about my church anymore. This is an individual, maybe a relative, maybe someone who posts on Facebook a lot. I'm just making up uh, things here that don't have any bearing (laughs) on reality. But is there anything to be done? And if so, what? And Lee, where do we kick off here?
1: Uh, well, for one thing, I would say and uh, there is a there's a beautiful thing in life that I didn't really know about till I was an adult, which is that you don't have to underestimate the the value of surface relationships
2: yep in yep. your life
1: um, it, it, When you love someone you you genuinely love someone, you do not see eye to eye with them. Um, it's perfectly okay, especially with kind of extended family, sometimes with your parents and stuff like that, just to just to do what it takes to maintain a surface area, you know, a surface relationship. Yeah, with a lot of my adult relatives, I have what I call
0: the local news relationship, which is sports traffic weather. Those <laughs> yeah, are the things that's, we talk about. That's, and that's
1: fantastic, it. dude. I just stole that for my purposes. That's Use beautiful. It in good health. That's fantastic. And 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 honestly the with the you know the way that so many things have been polarized and and weaponized in our culture i, I can't even talk about sports with some of my family members <laughs> we're you know if the if the political parties figure out a way to use weather well i guess you know we got the environmental stuff yeah i'm going to have people that i can only say here's a picture of my kids if you say something mean we're done you know that's <laughs> that's it but like uh you know, here's your grandchild's report card. Be kind or it's it's over, you know, but yeah, don't don't underestimate the value of of surface relationships with so with people that you love and don't see eye to eye with. The other thing I would say is uh to let your life do your talking. Um I would not try to make it my goal to convert the most vocal opponent to to my way of thinking. Um I I would i would I would do my life man I, you know i'm going to love people i'm going to love people like crazy i'm going to pursue just like I was talking about in the in a couple of questions ago i'm going to pursue relationships with with people who are marginalized and mistreated. there's a beautiful verse in Hebrews I believe it's chapter thirteen um, I might need to be fact checked on that it could be in chapter ten. I think it's in thirteen though that says um, uh, remember those who are mistreated." as if you yourselves were suffering. And what I want to do is I want to do that with my life. I want to love people and try to understand their point of view and I and I want to go crazy on that. I mean I you know that's what I want to be the 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 work and the hallmark of my life. And and I think that is going to have a greater impact on uh, on some of the people in my life than um, than getting into an argument that will devolve into into politics or you know or something like that, but devolve into cable news arguments or or candidates or something like that to the extent that people are open. I do think that we can approach these conversations with gentleness and respect as the scripture says, but it 's probably going to be really obvious which people are actually open to those kinds of types of conversations and which people are not. When you start hearing all kinds of um, flagrant, crazy statistics that people got from some website or some, you know, freedomeagle.biz.ru <laughs> some dubious news source, that's a, that's a signal that we probably don't need to try to convert this person into your way of thinking, but let your life do the talking.
0: It's a really great point, and the verse, uh, Lee is reverent there. He was correct, as Hebrews thirteen three, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. And definitely a beautiful thought. And Jed, to, to the concept of sussing out who might be uh, amenable to, to, we talk about this a lot with kind of other stuff, but I think with something that's so in the news, kind of, again, as we're saying, so uncontrovertible, Um, there is probably going to be some surprising people in your life who are going with you on this. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, there might be surprisingly be some surprising people in your life who are just dug in. Yep. Uh, There's likely to be some not at all surprising people in your life who are just dug in. Yep. Um, but what, what's our strategy for not basing our sanity on who comes with us and who doesn't?
2: <laughs> it's a great question. So let's talk about something that, that is going to come back to this, but it, just get our brains in different space for a second, because so I think it'll be instructive. So uh, the thing about being a missionary, and this is true for, for Matt and myself, it's, it's true, I believe, for pretty much all of our friends who work for organizations like Young Life, is in order to do that job, you have to go to everyone you've ever known and ask them to give you money. Uh, Which is super unpleasant, by the way. Um, But there it goes. That's that's what you got to do. Now the thing is, before you do that, you have a sense in your mind of who's likely to give you money and who's not. You've got that, and you are wrong. (laughs) You are so wrong. You are wrong about every part of it. You've got people on that list that you are like, dude, it's a slam dunk. You know, Bob would never let me down. Bob's got my back, and Bob's like, I am sorry, but I am afraid the market's very tough right now. Okay, it's just it's very. It's unwieldy is what it is. All right, so Bob's not going to help you at all. And then this other dude is like, I don't know if he's even Christian. He's like, man, it's amazing, and here's 100 bucks, and I just think it's great. I, I promise you, you are wrong in your predictions of who would want to support this work and who wouldn't. And it, it totally plays games with your head. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a wild, wild thing. I tell you that, and, and again, that's a consistent experience across every missionary I've ever known. I tell you that to tell you this. I think as you look at fighting for justice in the world, I think the way to think of it is to decide that you are going on a journey. You are going on a grand adventure. And you're inviting other people to come with you. And you're inviting other people to come with you recognizing you have no idea who's going to take you up on that invitation and who's not. But you're inviting people to come with you. But here's the key thing. You're not waiting around for them to talk you in or out of this decision because you're going. Whether mm. they come or not, That's whether good. they all come, whether none of them come, you are going on a journey. And that has now begun. And regularly, you're inviting people to jump in and to, and to, to get involved in that same adventure. Some of them will some of them won't. But again, two things are true. The first is you don't have the ability to predict to predict who's going to want to join in and who's not. You you really don't. I mean it will it'll blow your mind. But the second thing is you're on this adventure whether anybody goes with you or not. I think when we take those two views, it's going to help us to have a lot more peace about uh, the situation that we find ourselves in in terms of dealing with uh, relatives or friends or family members or whatever who were unsure how they're going to respond to all of this.
0: I think that's a really, really fantastic point. Um, th- there's a, a sad truth that must be acknowledged here, and it's, it's sad to, to, to all of us. It's sad to maybe me most of all, and that's this. You are not going to own anyone online into... Coming around to the right opinion. You've yeah. been pwned, Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not just going to leave the the devastating comment or statistic <laughs> or whatever that totally undoes their nonsense. Um, I was
1: mic dropped out of racism by Matt right. King's crazy uncle.
0: <laughs> I used to think that brutal authoritarian policing was fine. And then someone hit me with the SpongeBob meme that totally changed my mind. <laughs> Um, that's, so that's not going to happen, but that actually kind of takes us all the way back to kind of something we were talking about at the beginning, which is it's particularly, this is particularly to your social media life, which is a big part of life and a big part of this, which is who is this for and who is this signaling to, um, you can, you can do positive stuff, helpful stuff, resources, ideas, kind of things that are on your own journey as you're unpacking this, that people can, can come along with or reject as they want. Um well, again, what you're not going to do is is go to your most uh, racist relative and convince them that, no, the pres- if they post enough horrifically bad memes, the president isn't going to come to their house and just, like, hang out and be cool, man. Well, this is not going to happen.
2: But I was going to show him my room with all my posters.
0: Unless your room is in a golf resort in Florida, <laughs> he ain't coming. So... We can get that aside. But I, and that uh, incredibly snarky comment, which would not work uh, to say that one of the things we, we can't underestimate is when we're looking at something that is utterly systemic. Like, again, we've learned that a big part of this is that kind of uh, policing and the, the kind of uh, militarization and the, the massive growth in policing in America, particularly in about the last 30 years has its roots in everything. Um, so we're talking about, you know, here here's a harsh lesson for some people to point out. All the things you see on like Law and Order and CSI, none of that actually works. Yeah. You can't enhance a photo. That's not how pixels work. <laughs> I mean that's like a real problem that defense attorneys have is people watch so many cop shows, they think that's how cops
2: do things. <laughs>
1: Bring up that satellite photo, Matt.
2: Yeah, exactly. One time I spent an hour just yelling at my computer enhance over and over. It didn't do anything.
0: It's a piece of junk. I gotta get one of them stabler computers. <laughs> um, but so there's that, there's and there's a lot of kind of these hierarchies of you know, when you explain when you could try to explain to someone how redlining of uh, neighborhoods led to massive over policing, which leads to the totally misuse of crime sticks and all that. If they don't want to hear it, that's just too much to onboard. Yeah, But someone can start at, you super shouldn't be able to just shoot someone in the street without any legal repercussions, no matter what your job is, and then point down to, wait, why do they have Humvees? <laughs> oh, that has something to do with the preparations budgets and the military surplus, and why, why do they do this well they pretty those neighborhoods because that's again that's what the mayor thinks the people who fund the mayor's campaign and vote makes them feel safe i was having a conversation with a friend uh, fairly recently there were two uh demonstrations going on in chicago one was um totally uh no problem very well organized no violence no property damage anything in a fairly well off north side neighborhood the other was on the south side and was uh going a little sideways and had way less uh, uh, police presence at it. And I was trying to gently explain that's because in this case, the point of the police is not to stop or create anything. It's to make the people with the really nice expensive condos feel safe. Yep. The really nice expensive condos are on the North side. That's a lesson about policing that I, somebody taught me and I'm trying to pass on, but you don't get there by yanking someone's chain. This is a big, big mess of intertwined things and interests and institutions. And the thing about that is people really do have to come to that at their own pace. Now we got a lot of people who are coming, uh, on that first step, which is great. And if you have books and resources and things that you can share, that will help people move that next step, next step. That's awesome. But you are going to, you're not going to force anyone to come to that with you. And one thing we will close out with, which is not a particularly spiritual point, but it's an important one on this. And I've seen this idea going around, and it's an idea I would agree with in general. I don't agree with in this sense. I'll say what I mean. Uh, There's this idea of, like, you've probably seen the meme, which, again, I totally get. It's like a heart and a house and then the globe. And it's like, until we start making changes here, heart, and here, house, we can't make any changes here, globe. Mm -hmm. What you're talking about, uh, spreading more Christian love into the world and a sense of brotherhood, that's absolutely true. If you're talking about making appropriations and budget ideas of how much the police get, that's actually not true. You can just elect people who will make changes. Yep. And if enough people vote not the way of your racist uncle, his opinion actually doesn't matter. Right. Again, that's I think there's a lot of people whose kind of conception of a social idea and a political idea is all emotional and no political. And what we have here is – of, and again, no one wishes this wasn't this way less than us because we really don't like talking politics on this show. It's not what we do. Um, but we're talking about literal. This is who gets to apply power to whom, who has the power, who does what with it. That is a political issue. So again, if you focus your efforts on convincing people who are going to come with you on your journey, that is the thing that's going to lead to some actual changes in this. That's just kind of the way it's set up. So, we do uh, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you got something out of this um, we're going again we're gonna be back to our regular questions uh, to a little pee behind the curtain we're getting ready to record next week's show about as soon as we wrap this one. So I can tell you that none of the questions have anything to do with uh the police stuff um, but again, if you have follow ups we we're not going to wear us out on this stuff we'll talk about it on the show we'll talk about it off the show um, Stay at podcast at gmail.com, dot the dot Tumblr.com. We're going to take it out with a song. This is from this week's, uh, or last week's, as you hear this, uh, Bridge Live. This is a great friend of the bridge and pastor here in Chicago, Val Starr, who uh, did a prayer during our Bridge yeah. Live that That's meant awesome. a lot to us. So much so that our friend and rapidly rising resident DJ, DJ Anden Rock from Malaysia, put a little beat to it made a great track. Uh, this is called We Can't Breathe a Prayer. Take care of that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: Glenn, come back. We miss you. There's
2: no ending salutation from Glenn. It is uncertainty in the air, and it's thick, and we can't breathe. Uncertainty in the air and it's thick and we can't breathe but God you are able and faithful so help us to know and to trust you give us a word God give us a word God